Girls love that. Chicks love the last shot opportunity. Somebody give me a napkin so I can wipe my mouth. another episode of the Cedric Maxwell podcast. I am Josue Pavone. He is Cedric Maxwell. We got special guest Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe. He's also on the uh, A-List podcast. And uh, of course, we got we got a lot to discuss. Uh, Ime Udoka, the Celtics announced, uh, suspended for a year for uh, improper relationship with, a, with a, a woman of the Celtics organization. This whole thing spilled out. Uh, Gary, you had an interesting column that came out uh, before the presser uh, talking about just how messy this thing was, right? There wasn't a whole lot of information out. There was a whole lot of uh, speculation, a lot of reports that were surrounding. Of course, Woj was the one who dropped the initial one uh, that just pretty much stated that he was going to be suspended and that uh, he he uh, then put another tweet out saying that Emei's job, he wasn't technically fired. So I think that was the point where everyone was sort of speculating into, wait, how, what, what could he have done that warrant a one-year suspension, but he still has a job, and that's where the Celtics stand right now. But the press press conference offered some transparency um, into the Celtics, his future with the Celtics, which doesn't look promising, of course, because they're not saying that he's going to continue to coach his team after that one year suspension. So uh, I, I guess we can we can uh, start the conversation there, Gary, because you were there, you were at the press conference Friday. Um, did anything about what was said throughout that press conference change your opinion from your initial column about just how messy and just how sloppy this whole thing got out, you know, between the Celtics and how they handled the situation? Well, I thought it was worse because, you know, they hired an independent firm to investigate. When they do that, right, it's it's something significant. When they hire an independent firm to investigate the off-court uh habits of the coach and find out who, what, when, and where, what you were doing, where you were traveling. Um, that's really bad. I mean, I, I just, I can't say it any, any better. I can't be rosy about this. This is really, it's, it's really bad. Um, so obviously the things that they found out, they're not going to release what they found out. People were like, well, I want, you know, they want details. I mean, this is not water. They're not, going to release all these damn details one legally they're not going to do it like it's just a lot of reasons for the celtics to remain as quiet as they can on this and say just trust us and and that's not you know do i think that's good enough not really but i understand uh because i just think you have to be measured about what you say but obviously they found out enough information to where this wasn't a suspension of five games, 10 games, 30 games. This was like, man, we don't even want your ass in the vicinity. And we need you to leave. And will it be messy? You know, and it probably will take them months to negotiate potential buyout or whatever. That's why they didn't do it because of the legal ramifications of it, of just firing him. Because it's not like Udoka's going to walk away and say, okay, well, uh, Thanks, guys, for the opportunity. I'll just stay fired. No, he's going to fight it. He's going to have his case. So I'm sure they're going to develop, devise ways over the next several months to come up with a buyout to where he can go about his way, try to pursue another NBA job in coming years, and the Celtics can move on with, with what they're trying to do. And probably, you know, who knows what Joe Mazzulla does, but pro- probably begin a new coaching search. Yeah, it is. It's, it's just crazy when I thought how 
everything happened and the tension in the room. This is like, and my girlfriend watches these shows a lot. It's like Housewives of Atlanta. Well, this is like Housewives of Boston. I mean, this is the, the drama, the sex, the, the, all the things that kind of came into play that you look at and going, what? And it was, it just seemed so bizarre. And I started getting calls and I'm sure you got them before me, but probably about, it was like 11 o'clock at night. And I was like, well, what the hell happened? You know, one of the local uh, TV stations and everybody kept calling. My son kept calling. And then you, it was just speculation. Uh, I, I spoke to my broadcast partner, Sean Grandy. I was like, well, what could it be? And then when you start thinking about it in today's time, the only thing that kind of came to your mind was a woman. It had to be, had to be a woman. Some kind of something happened in there with a woman. And sure enough, uh, that seems to be the case. And it's just absolutely crazy. It's it's nasty. I don't, um, as as a Celtic fan, Celtic player, been around for a while. This year has just been like the the, the most amazing roller coaster. To go up that mountain, to go to the top, uh, you know, with this team almost win the championship. Then Bill Russell dies. And then then this thing happens. It's just, and then you have injuries with players. I, I don't even, I, it's, it's just hard to fathom how this team goes forward. Now, Gary, one of the things I, I was, I applauded you about because every person in America, and I know every person of color in America was sitting there thinking like, so what about the woman? And your question was like a great question when you said, well, is anybody else going to be suspended or under punishment? And Wick said, no. Did that surprise you at all? Uh, yes and no. It surprised me to a, sense, to a certain extent, but obviously I just think they're afraid of the legal ramifications of having any penalty against the woman because it might not have been like, it, it wasn't, let's say, what any of us would do or what most people would do was not tasteful, I would say, to sleep with someone at your company, to have a relationship with, you know, whatever the situation, consensual relationship, you're two grown people, you know, you try not to, you're advised when you get a job at anywhere, it's like, hey, man, you better be careful messing with your coworkers, hollering at your coworkers. You know, you have sexual harassment possibilities, all types of things. I mean, they have all types of rules. Like, you have to be careful of the job place, you know. And, and and this is not the 1980s and the 70s where that stuff was rampant. This is a time now where you have to thank, really... thank you, Gary. Thank you for that. <laughs> this, wasn't, this wasn't when, when Max was in action where this, this was rampant. No, this was this, the, now. You didn't have to say that, Max. Someone guilty? You feel guilty, sir? I mean, he just... He just, I felt like I was saying, in this ain't, this, this ain't, like, this ain't, ain't Max's day. Like, oh, man. I feel like this ain't the time. This ain't, everything has changed. You can't make the jokes you used to. You can't say the things you used to say. I, you know, you, I watch an episode of Sanford and Son and laugh and cringe at the same time because some of the stuff that they said about everybody, I mean, <laughs> all races were equally offended. Like, it, you just, these things, this is the society we're in. And, so I think the Celtics were like, listen, you know, yeah, what she did wasn't tasteful, but was it fireable? And if it's if if, if we fire this young woman, does she have legal uh, recourse against the team? Can she say that 
the Celtics, it was a toxic work environment. Her superior forced her, she felt pressure. Like, there's a lot of words and things that can go into the situation now that that the woman could say happened, and we have to take a word for it. You know, yeah. this is a right. this is a new time, and obviously, women empowerment is is great. And they and I'm finally they can speak up when they've been wrong because our mothers were wronged, our aunts were wronged, our grandmothers spent generations being harassed, offended, etc. Now those days are, are coming to a close, and so she could say, you know, what you know, you don't know what it's like for her to have her superior, the coach of the Celtics, a very powerful man say, hey, I, I want to date you, or I want to hang out with you. Do you think you'll keep your job? So she has all types of reasons to do, and, and she could say the Celtics didn't, in, 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 um, you know, give me an environment where I could say, no, like she could blame the Celtics for this. And as Wick said, I thought it was a key thing of he's going to talk individually, every person in the organization, especially every woman, to see how the work environment is. Mm-hmm. Is, is, is this a problem with the Celtics? Is this some, I think Jimmy Gold from Associated Press, like, is this just a one-off situation? Or is this something that is normal within the organization where coworkers are dating each other, superiors are dating their subordinates? You know, all these things are going down. And as long as nobody gets hurt, it's all good. Like, you can't have right. a Wild West anymore. This is not, you know, this isn't Friends. This isn't. Uh, Mary Tyler Moore show. This is none of them old times where everybody was just hanging out and messing. No, this, this no, those days are over. So I think she has a legitimate case to say that you know she felt pressure, and obviously, in, in what Sham Sharania reported was uncomfortable statements. That is lawsuit. You're talking lawsuit territory, especially not only against Emi Udoka but against the Boston Celtics. The Celtics are trying to stay out of the out of court. Like, you know, yeah. back those, they trying yeah. to they trying to stay out of court. They want to be on the court of the garden. They don't want to be in Boston Superior Court, and, you know, they they trying to stay out of that. This episode of the Cedric Maxwell Podcast is powered by FanDuel. If you haven't already, make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's right, $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. And you don't want to miss out on this action, man. Whether it's NBA playoffs or any other sports, FanDuel's got you covered with some of the best odds and best ways to make money online through sports. Head to FanDuel.com slash Boston. And the in-game betting during the playoffs makes the games that much more exciting. Trust me, there is no better place to bet all the playoff action at America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com sportsbook. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com RG. 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Or text next step to 53342 188 789 7777. 
or visit ccpg.org slash chat. NCT 1-800-9-W-I-T-H-I-T and 1-800-522-4700 or you can visit ksgamblinghelp.com for Kansas 1-877-770-STOP-GAMBLINGHELPLINEMA.ORG or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org for Maryland, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York. That's 467-369-1-800-522-4700 or visit www.1800gambler.net. We got ESPNs and Scapes. Uh, Mark Spears joining us. See, Mark, anything is everything is you, you can't call it. You can't predict this stuff. Like you think yeah. seven months ago, Joe Mazzula thought to himself, "Well, maybe I'll yeah. be a head coach one day." You never know in this business. Like things change, right? Yeah, I mean, what was yeah. your what was your initial reaction to that quick start, though? Were, were you were you taken aback? I mean, obviously the Celtics team had they were on course to sort of respond in a big way from the NBA Finals appearance, but. Uh, how, like, well, how do you how do you make of this past couple of months and just that transition that they had to make with Joe Mazzulli um, in the team? You know, at first, cool, and, and I told Joe this, like, I was like, why didn't Damon Stoudemire get the job? Mm. You know, I was, like, really curious about that. And I've known Damon for a while. He's uh, coached at the University of Pacific with not a ton of resources and did well there in a really tough conference. and had head coaching experience on, you know, on the division one level, played in the NBA. I thought he would be perfect, but um, Brad saw something in Joe. And I met with Joe in New Orleans a month ago. And then when I talked to him, I got it. I understood it. Mm. What, I what, just, did, what did you understand when you yeah, what happened? I uh, sat with him in his hotel room for a half an hour, did a story that's on Anscape right now. And, I, I was extremely impressed by his poise, his his maturity, his humility, um, his ability to lead humbly. Um, he was basically like, look, I know you guys are certainly everybody has some emotions about what happened and I'm not trying to change that. You know, I'm not trying to tell you how you could fe- how you should feel. You feel how you want to feel. I want to help us win games and do what I need to do to help us win games. Mm. And he's also collaborative. He wants to know what the players are thinking. Like, what do you think we could do to improve? What do you think, um, Jason, what do you think we should do? Jalen, what do you think we should do? Marcus, you know, there's a lot of veteran guys on this team who've been in the NBA for a while and have great basketball IQs, and he picks their brain. He doesn't act like a sergeant. You know, he, he he's a, a collaborative leader, which I think is extremely important and smart for him. And he's with that, I think, with his assistant coaches as well. He doesn't act like he knows everything. And so I think what's incredible to me, and I asked Tatum about him, I'm like, what sold you? He said, you know, he felt like when he got to be around him and the coach that left to the Jazz, that those two guys were different. He kind of felt like they were, there was something special about both of them. 
Oh. And um, obviously the coach, uh, Will, left. Um, but he said from that first meeting that he had with Joe, he said there was just the right tone, the right energy, uh, the, the right mentality, the collaboration stuff, like all that hit well with him and the team. So it kind of made everything seamless. And so to think that Joe has been able to, like, keep this team afloat like this without – like, if you didn't know they lost their coach, you would have known that they lost their coach. You had right. no idea. Like, this this had every potential to go south, to sink. Like, it was, think about how nightmarish it was in training yeah. camp. Like, yeah. how, all that, all the, for all that stuff to happen right when training camp was starting, it's not even really even talked about anymore. Yeah. Like, I want to ask you. In, in droves, it'd be, it would have been talked about, but basketball-wise, they have not skipped a beat. Well, I, and this I is without ask, Robert Williams. I want to ask you this this word, you know, how it felt in the world that I was in, everybody was in, when you heard the email explosion. How, how did how did it affect you or your colleagues? Because yeah. everybody just called me out the blue. Email's going to be fired. He's going to be, yeah. He's gonna be spending yeah. For what? And it was just... Yeah. Um, I think what probably hit me the most is how it was handled did it have to be public and and i think the thing about it is and i have strong respect for the celtics organization um ownership a lot of the owners i know well um i i just wondered if it had to be public like it was um because i think it hurt so many people not not just the you know i mean what happened happened but for the women to get dragged into it, you know, like I, I, I just, I I, you know, I, I don't know. I believe they just had to come clean, and yeah. the only thing you had to you had to put it out there and let everything be heard and seen the way yeah. it happened. Because if yeah. they had, I remember talking to well, them. but but what I mean is like just more clear in terms of who it involved, because. When it if, it, if it's not clear, then it leads to speculation. Mm-hmm. And that speculation led to a lot of women in the company being accused of doing something they had nothing to do with. But, but they couldn't they couldn't put that out there legally, yeah. you know, and start talking about these women. I think they yeah. tried to be as quiet. And I'm I, yeah. and I, and yeah, I, know, and it's tough to do. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're right. Yeah. It's tough to do. It, it was, it was, you know, just like any scandal out there that we see now, you know, it's like, okay, how do you handle that? You know, you had a contract with E-May. I just think there was so many things that they had to just put out and let it. It was a former player, just like, you know, I talked to him. Then he told me, he said, Max, I wish they had just told him just he's going on uh, uh, leave for a while and, and, and then leave it like that. I said, when it finally got out, when the when when oh, uh, when it got out too, and everybody yeah, it was yeah. out, yeah. 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 Get out. And once it got out, the Celtics were going to be the ones looking like they had egg on their face and stuff. Yeah, yeah. This is what happened. This is where we're going to go. And yeah. right now, dumb luck or whatever it is, it seems like it has worked for the organization. I do yeah. feel Epania, you know, because I heard her say some things like nobody in the organization. 
you know, really reached out towards her. And I'm like, legally, yeah. are they able really to say? Yeah, yeah I think the last part of what you said is very sensitive. Like, one thing I did ask Joe, like, how much have you spoken to Ime? And he, I think he, they touched base until, like, the legal issue really hit. And I think, and said, you would know this better than both of us. I don't think they, the people working for the team could talk to him. Probably one of the biggest, you know, gets I'll have. You know, this is, I, I you know, kind of consider him a friend, but didn't consider him a friend because he played with the Pistons, but he is my boy. Guys, we have Isaiah Thomas. You couldn't score on somebody and jump all up in their face and dance around. And, you know, there was just a certain, there was a certain code of conduct that you just didn't didn't cross. There was a line that you didn't cross. Well, how did that change now? Because we look at guys, for instance, because I, I have to ask you about John Morant. You've always been a great mentor to a bunch of guys in the NBA. And you see what's going on with John Morant, the gun and this and that. Here's the first thing I asked you, though, which is strange to me as a black man. I'm like, they say he was in the strip club. And I'm not saying you've been in one, but I've been in one, whatever. But in order for you to go in the strip club, don't they check you for weapons when you ready to go in? <laughs> so I don't even know how the hell he got in. But I just wanted to ask you, how do you, what do you see going on in his life that is just crazy right now? I, I'm gonna speak to it from uh, a, a a personal you know, how I grew up and, and, and it's well documented. All my, my, my whole family was, you know, drugs and we grew up mm. extremely poor and, you know, gang violence and all of that. Right. Uh, but at the same time, you, you grow out of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then growing out of that, you know, what's the next stage? Now you and I were fortunate enough that when we came into the NBA, there were, there were veterans on the team. There were old heads around the team. The things that I always admired about the Celtics, right? Whenever you go to a Celtic game, there are there are damn legends walking around that arena. You know, the, the Celtics legends are there. You know, Charlie Scott grabbing me and talking to me, and I'm looking at Charlie Scott like, damn, man, you talking to me. You know, they, you know it, it, there's always legends around that organization. So consequently, you have a... a uh, uh, a history of wisdom and knowledge to pass on. What I see that has happened in Memphis, right, is that when you look at them organizationally, who are the old heads? Mm-hmm. You know, you got you got a you got a young team, and it's great to have a young team of twenty seven and under that's got a chance to do great things in the NBA. But you got a young team of twenty seven and under, and the average salary is. 10 million to 40 million. And if you put 15, I can't think of no industry where you got 15 young guys all making 10 to 15, 20 million dollars, and there's no wisdom or veterans or anything else around. So while while job, you know, clearly has spun out, when I when I ask, well, why did he spin out? I go back to, well, where's the wisdom and the knowledge around that says, hey, you you can't do that, young fella. You know, let's let's go here. There doesn't seem to be a 
uh, infrastructure around that team that kept him from spinning out. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. now that he's out, can he find his way back in? Of course he will, because guys like us, you know, we're all saying, hey, we love you. Everything's going to be all right. You know, and we've seen our guys have gotten out of control and then got back into the good graces of the NBA and went on to have successful careers. Well, you say that, and that brings me to a name, and I'm going to do some word association here. Dennis Rodman. Tell us about that. I remember you were telling me before when you first got Dennis Rodman, you're like, Max, you said, this dude right here is a beast, and he is coming there. And I was like, come on, come on, Isaiah, I can't be this guy, I can't be this. And, And sure enough, everything you said about him was remarkable on the defensive end. Yeah, I, I remember uh, we played y'all in Hartford. Mm-hmm. And and uh, uh, Kent Benson, <laughs> remember, Kent Benson? <laughs> remember Kent Benson as he got 56 scores on it against Kevin McHale. I do remember hey, that. So, wait, we, we come out of the huddle and, and Larry, and Larry, we, I think we up one. And Larry look at me and Benson come to guard him. And he looks at me and he goes, and you know, he called me cheesy. He goes, cheesy. You, and he pointed right at Benson. You putting him on me? (laughs) 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 Of course he made the last basket we lose, right? So the next year we playing y'all in Hartford again. And I'm like, okay, I got something for y'all now. (laughs) And that's when I started talking about Rodman. And the first time I met him, you know, the, I had I had never seen an athlete like him. Like we had great athletes, but you know his athleticism was a little different. You know his speed was a little different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know the way he rebounded, the way he ran, the way he defended, and you know just his energy and passion and love for the game. It was just on another level. And I, you know, I I love that guy. As a, as I, you know what? I didn't think it was real though when I first saw him. And then I started watching him over, and everything was a repeat of the repeat that he was. It was genuine. If he would die, he'd get people involved. But now I talked to Robert Parrish about this too, and he said, and because he played with it in Chicago, he said, I've never played with anybody who was more different than they were on the court. And what I mean by that, he said, Dennis Rodman was one of the nicest guys around, but his persona, he wanted to build a persona that was completely different once he walked out of that locker room. Yeah. And and I think it all started when, um, if you remember, Max, they they weren't paying guys in the league for rebounding. Right. Absolutely. Right? And, and, and Rodman turned rebounding into a show. And, and he got paid for rebounding in defense. Yeah. Remember, y'all had a guy, you know, a great Celtic there by the name of Paul Silas, right? Great, great rebound, offensive rebound there. But guys, like, they weren't getting paid. They weren't getting, like, the the max contracts. They weren't getting the dollars. Yeah. The scores were getting the dollars. Rodman was, you know, one of the first guys who got paid for rebounding and defense. He would have 15 rebounds and two points. And back then, you weren't getting paid for that. <laughs> yeah, there's no question. And so, you know, in terms of his personality, right, it's like Rodman, and I'm sure Chief will tell you, right, you, you, off the court, you couldn't get two words out of him. 
Wow. You know, he he never he never really spoke. Now he'll create he'll create a party, and then he'll just watch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but he he never he never said anything, man. It, it was he, but I, I loved him as a teammate. He was dependable. He knew all his assignments. He was smart as hell in terms of you know defending people, and the way he talked about defending. I never forget we were playing against uh, Golden State, and that's when Otis Smith was playing against Golden State. Yes, uh, uh, with Golden State, and I remember, you know, you going over the scouting report in the locker room, and and Chuck, you know, would always have you read your scouting, you know, report and you know who you were guarding, and so Dennis gives his report on Otis Smith, and he goes. Well, you know, he's right hand, left hand, and, you know, he does this and does that. And so everybody started laughing. What do you mean he's right hand, left hand? You know, he right hand, left hand. He shoot his right hand. He shoot his left hand. <laughs> and, so, and so Chuck goes, Dennis, is he ambidextrous? And Dennis goes, I don't know if he ambidextrous, but I know he right hand, left hand. <laughs> <laughs> Back with a very special episode of the Cedric Maxwell podcast. I am Josue Pavone. He is, of course, Cedric Maxwell. And look, the Southerns are in the Eastern Conference Finals. So we had to get, we had to step our game up and get a Boston-owned guest. Of course, Boston's own Donnie Wahlberg joins us. I'm glad you brought that up, the 30 for 30, because this was this was the way uh, Tatum really, really knew about how how um, how bad Max was back in his day. Max, tell him the story when Tatum approached you after he oh, watched that documentary. Well, Tatum, after your documentary, Tatum didn't know me as well. And Tatum walks up after, it was before a game, and he's still screaming out at me, cornbread, cornbread. I said, <laughs> dude, what is wrong with you? He goes, man, I saw that 30 for 33 times. Damn, you a bad motherfucker in there. I was like, <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Yeah. He never called you cornbread before that. He didn't know. He wasn't here. With your link and, and that, I, you know, one day I'm hoping right now that the Lakers somehow play uh, against the Celtics here because we got to get you and Cube on together. So y'all, oh, actually, you, guys, uh, you, you guys are the, you guys were the perfect, the perfect yeah, yeah, people yeah. hosting and being and narrating that thing between the Celtics and Lakers. I loved it. It was yeah. a lot. Of fun. It was fun to do it. It was amazing to relive it. And as much as you were incredible in it, Max, I watched those games live as a kid, and you did. You, you could tell in the dark, you man. Did you your could thing, tell. man. But you, Max, people that don't know that that you know missed that. Like you were on the court, and I'm just gonna say it. And forgive me for you know for blowing your ego up right now, but I got to do it. Sorry, my camera got blurry. Um, okay. You were on the court with Mikhail, Parrish, Bird, DJ, Ainge, all these guys. And you said, get on my back. I'll carry you guys. Like, And you did it. You did it, man. Like, you know, it's, it's, I don't even know what to compare it to, to the NBA right now. You know, it's like, it's, it, 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 it was like someone on the bulls, like you had Jordan, you had Pippen, you know, I don't even Robin, like, it was like, <laughs> they, they didn't have a max. They didn't, right. Right? they didn't have someone who, if them guys were totally 
out of it could do that. Like, it, it's incredible. Like, the documentary showcased you a lot. Your interviews were hilarious. It showcased you as a player. But to have watched you and witnessed that, like, my childhood, I'll, I'll never forget that game six in Philly. Like, I yeah the the game has changed you can't go in the stands and have a fight anymore right but <laughs> he, he can't get over that just way he, he that's where he goes he because it. max you kept what playing happened? okay but i but I'm telling amazing, you, you did it max, when you, you did it ejected, suspended fined all the above like, he didn't got nothing even if not even a technical foul <laughs> but no, when max no did that it was like Dude, let's just Let's keep playing. That's all they said. Let's play. They just sat you for two yeah. minutes, I think, right? The guy Something threw like a pencil at him. He threw a pencil at Max. <laughs> well, let me ask you. So if you say that and you talk about your your greatest joys, what was your biggest disappointment of all time? Ooh. There was it a lot. Been, would it have been the Pats? Obviously with – no? The, no, that one hurt. When they were 18 and 0, that one hurt. Yeah. The only thing is – I don't know if you remember my my friend Crazy Marty used to be courtside at the games um, when I used to sit over there with Mike Rotundi and them. And Crazy Marty, I was with him at that Super Bowl, and he's so crazy. We lost, and the Patriots went 18-1. and one. It hurt so bad. I was like the worst. I was in a fog in a dream, and he said, <laughs> he said here's what we're going to do. We're going to order 10 bottles of champagne, go into my hotel room, we're all getting drunk, and we're going to pretend the Patriots won and have a Patriots <laughs> won anyway party. And we did. So in some ways, in some ways, that kind of helped me get over it. In some ways, that ain't the worst one. Pretend. Yeah, I wish my friends did that to me, man. He said, we're going to pretend the Patriots won the, wow. the Super Bowl, and they're undefeated. And so that's wow. what we did. And it, wow. I, I stayed in that zone until the next morning. I had to go on ESPN, and they had <laughs> me lined up with all the old Dolphins players from the undefeated wow. team, and they were killing me. They were killing me. Wow. But, uh, I'll tell you, for each team, my worst disappointment. Um, when the Bruins lost the Stanley Cup to Edmonton, I think it was the year 86, because we had all four teams in the going for the championship that year, Red Sox went to the World Series, Celtics. Oh, won. that's right. Yeah, he went to the Super Bowl, and the Bruins um, went to the Stanley Cup. That Stanley Cup hurt the most, I think. Um, the Red Sox, it was definitely um, in 2003. Yes, no, but but that was mine. It's interesting because when the teams come back and redeem themselves it doesn't hurt quite as much, right? So yeah, like 86 Red Sox would have been the worst ever. That was probably the worst of my life. But then we won, you know, and, and so it made 2003 hurt less, you know, yeah. um, when the where the Red Sox started winning. Um, I think uh, 85 for the Celtics was the worst, you know, after the Memorial Day massacre, like, how we didn't win that championship, that one just hurt. That one hurt. Mm. Um, that was surreal. And, you know, there, there's been a few, but I guess the worst, worst, worst ever 
probably was the Patriots max, but I was drunk and pretending they won. So it didn't hurt. <laughs> so the night wasn't that bad for you. Yo, night wasn't that I'm, bad. Down, I'm down to 1% right now. My call. Are you? So, oh so I'm man. I'm going to let you finish the interview, but man, I man. appreciate you coming on and we're going to have to get you on with cube, especially if the Lakers and the Celtics play in the finals, we're going to have you guys right now early on. Talk about your predictions. It's Done. And I already got my prediction ready if we get there. So, ah, all right, sir. <laughs> uh, that's the way I'm gone, man. Finish this interview. Thank you, all sir. Right,